0: Don't be ashamed to learn things that you need to know. Here's explanations with Dr. Doe.
1: Sexplanations, episode 69, talking about the regaining of sexual healthy life going forward. I am here with Rachel Grant. Um, Rachel actually <laughs> isn't here. Rachel is someplace else, and we're connecting via the power of the Internet to talk with our audience about what it is that you do and how maybe you are part of the restoration process for people's sex lives. Hi, Rachel. Hey,
0: (laughs) thank you. Yes, I'm based in San Francisco, um, so not exactly in the same room with you, but yes, by way of the power of technology, we're here together today and I'm so um, excited to be here and um, to get to connect with you and your community. To tell you all a little bit about myself, I've been um, working as a sexual abuse recovery coach since 2007, and all that really means is that I work with survivors of childhood sexual abuse, trauma, and to um, really folks who are at that place in their journey where they're just sick and tired of feeling broken and unfixable and burdened. And my focus is really on helping them break free from the pain of the past and move on with their lives. And that absolutely includes um, their sexuality and their relationship to sex and pleasure um, and desire and all of those layers definitely come into play in our work.
1: Oh, thank you so much for doing that.
0: Thanks. Yeah, it's been a little bit of a wild ride <laughs> um, to get here and to have this—you know—have this be my day to day. I work with men and women all over the country, all over the world. Um, since we get to work by phone or Skype, and um, it's just been kind of growing and evolving over the years. And so I'm—I'm I'm happy to be here and be at the place where
1: I am today that I get to do this kind of work. Oh, that's so amazing. So, what did you do to get here when you say that? I think people are often curious how uh, sex therapists, sexologists, people who work in the field acquire the knowledge and training needed to consider themselves professionals and charge money. So.
0: You're right. Yeah. Well, you know, I think my my story really starts from, you know, the moment when I was 10 years old and my grandfather began sexually abusing me. I think that was, you know, it depends on how far back you want to trace the journey, right? <laughs> but, uh, you mm-hmm. know, that that moment was, you know, of course, a big turning point in my life. And there was, you know, a, a very long time, probably from the age of 10 to, let's say, 20, when, you know, that experience and the impact of that experience, I was pretty much just trying to ignore, you know, put my head in the sand and pretend that everything was okay. And as I'm sure you can imagine, uh, that didn't really work very well <laughs> in the long run. And so I found myself in my 20s starting to to really need to face some of the impact of this abuse and trauma and other abuses that had come along the way. And so um, by my mid-20s or so, I was at another turning point in my life. I was going through a divorce. Uh, I was getting out of a relationship in which I had been, you know, verbally and physically abused for 10 years. And uh, lots of my things had kind of been stripped down to the bare bones. I was in a new apartment with just a sleeping bag and a lamp and kind of looking around and going, Ugh, okay. <laughs> like, really? This is my life. This is where I'm at. I'm almost 30 and this is what's going on. And so um I had just a real, I uh, gave myself a little bit of a talking to, I think, and, and decided, you know, enough is enough. And I think for most people in any kind of journey in healing, there's usually that moment where a decision is made. And, and so what that did, Lindsay, is it, it really, spurred in me an obsession with trying to answer this question of how do I really heal from sexual abuse? And so I began reading everything I possibly could, going to groups, talking Mm. to experts. Uh, I did my master's in counseling psychology and began to study neuroscience. And it was through all of that that I began kind of piecing together the things that ultimately was really just about me trying to heal and um, get my life sorted. But I was tracking because I have a background in education. I also kind of think in terms of curriculum and structure. And so I just started noticing that I was writing about these things in uh, in a way that was about, well, what do I do about this? And what's the tool that's helping me the most in this area of my life? and And so eventually all of that came together into what is now the Beyond Surviving program, Uh, which is the the work that I do with clients every day.
1: Wow, that's amazing. And it's uh, actually a story that I've heard over and over with people who are in the helping professional where they felt like they themselves had an issue and maybe didn't have a resource or they had a resource that was really great and inspired them to become that resource for others. And so um, it's cool to hear that you... um, you worked on healing yourself, and that that gift to you has become a gift to other people.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's nice to see how, um, you know, I think we can take experiences that are hard, that hold us back for many, many, many years, and then turn that around and kind of wield it as a, a weapon to support others. You know, in the beginning, I wasn't really even sure if, if it would be of benefit to other people. It was a little bit—I had a few people who were very— um kind to volunteer as my guinea pigs <laughs> and to say, mm. okay, this worked for me, but will it actually work and and help others? And so in those early years a lot of it was just kind of testing things out and trial and error and trusting my intuition. I think that's a you know a big piece too and And then, you know, over time, the program has evolved. It's become, you know, more um, layered. And so, uh, you know, this just continues to unfold. I think I learn, you know, a little something every day um, as I continue this, you know, the work that I get to
1: do. Wow. So it sounds like you have actually created your own therapeutic model, that instead of maybe using something that comes from a counseling or therapy program, you have said, um, this is what... I have determined works in my own life. Then I pilot tested it with other people and and you call it coaching, I think. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think that the the Beyond Surviving program is certainly informed by, you know, cognitive behavioral work, um Robert Ellison, you know, Bessel van mm. you know, these these I definitely have influencers, right? Um and so there are there are pieces of the program that are born out of, you know, strategies, techniques that I learned along the way. Um, from these sorts of experts, but then maybe there's a way that I've tweaked it or added something to it or even pulled out something from it that I thought was actually not working. And then I think there are definitely things in the Beyond Surviving program that are just very uniquely mine, that it was a way of thinking about a problem or a way of addressing and tackling a problem that was kind of born out of my own experience
1: and insight. Are you willing to share some of your favorite parts of your program?
0: I mean, of course, we can, totally, we can totally go there. So, you know, the way that I um, thought about it when, it when I decided, okay, this is going to be a program and this is going to be something that I'm going to take all of these ideas that are in my head and some way find, you know, find a way to teach other people and walk w- alongside them in this, you know, wild journey that is, you know, in my mind, moving from a place of recovery to a place where you're living your life and you're no longer feeling held back or burdened by the past. Uh, one of the very first things that I gave a lot of attention to was the order of operations and what what do we need to focus on when and in what order to maximize healing. So that's part of the reason why there's a curriculum and there's a step-by-step kind of process. So in the very beginning of the program, we focus on retraining the brain and learning how to regulate our nervous system because for so many survivors of sexual abuse, you know, our system is completely dysregulated. We've been experiencing toxic stress, which results from, you know, repeated experiences uh, where your stress response system is activated. And so a lot of things, you know, are going to be out of whack as a result of that. And I think for me, when I started to understand and treat trauma as an injury to my brain and to my body, uh, that frame Mm. actually really helped shift things for me. Cause I stopped seeing it as, Oh, there's something wrong with me. Oh, I'm broken. Oh, I'm bad. Or, you know, I have to fix me and more like, okay, I've had an injury, just like, you know, a broken leg. Uh, and therefore what can I do to heal that, that injury? And so, for example, one of my, um, I'll, I'll just jump to one of my favorite, uh, strategies that we learn in the beyond surviving program. You know, a lot of us, uh, have this voice inside of our heads. Maybe you have one of those ones that's, you know, kind of likes to say negative things or make us bad or wrong. And depending on where we <laughs> are in our healing, it might be louder or quieter. <laughs> right. Um, you know, a lot of what holds us back from healing are those belief systems and kind of the conclusions that we've drawn as a result of that. It's not even the actual abuse. Like, if we really get down to the bare bones facts of it, the abuse is over. It's done. It's no longer happening. And yet, why are we still suffering? Well, it's because of the things that we've come to believe as a result of that trauma of experience. It's the, the things that are happening on a neurological and systemic level that keep us feeling anxious or on high alert. And so one of the things that we do in the Beyond Surviving program is learn how to challenge those belief systems and resolve them and tame them and eradicate them. And one of the silliest ways that we do that, that's the other thing, I, I think that healing from abuse can actually be fun, um, which surprises mm-hmm. people sometimes. Yeah. Um, what? Are you great? What? was that? Uh, so we do a <laughs> strategy called turned into a song. Okay. So I want you to just imagine some of the worst things that you say to yourself or if you're further along in your, your journey, maybe things that you have said to yourself. Common things that I'll hear when I'm doing this work with my clients is things like, you know, I'm worthless, I'm unlovable, you know, nobody's ever going to love me, people are always going to betray me. It can be a litany, Mm -hmm. right, of these internal thoughts. Mm -hmm. And so we take those thoughts and we turn them into a song. And we sing them. (laughs) And for whatever reason, like when I use this strategy, I almost always end up in like a Broadway show tune. (laughs) Like, da, 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 you know, <laughs> like on maybe it's because I wanted to be a Broadway dancer when I was a kid. So I just go there and imagine it. And so there's just this amazing thing like when we start singing these words, right? I'm a loser. Nobody's ever going to love me. Oh my goodness. People are always going to leave. It just, you start to giggle, yeah. right? You start to laugh, yeah. you start to lighten it up. And so, um, you know, there's certainly more to the story when it comes to healing from sexual abuse. would when say like, we'll just start singing all of your, you know, negative beliefs, you'll be fine. But it's such a like these are the like little nuggets and little things that we do along the way, in the program to start, basically creating distance and space and take away like that dark energy that is there and exists around those belief systems that have developed as a result of trauma.
1: Rachel, I feel so much smarter and we've only been talking for what 8 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> right on. That's cool. Yeah, no, just that I, the that whole well, two big things, right? That idea that the abuse is over and it's the thoughts and feelings that we put around it or continue that are causing the re-traumatization. And then that idea that, yeah, put the lightness into it. I mean, I've talked in explanations videos about how laughter is huge for me to overcome codependency and feelings of uh, disappointment with expectations that are unmet. And I I agree with you, it is such a healing force.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. I often say like when you're able to start laughing about something, you've healed something and you've created a a space, you know, um, that we need in order to have it no longer like have its, you know, have its cause in us. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So how do people find you if they want to get more of your intelligence?
0: (laughs) Right on. Well, the best way to connect with me to start off with is my website. Uh, Because from there, you can then travel many avenues and many paths to connecting with me and accessing the resources. So one of the very first resources that I recommend people check out when they go to my website, rachelgrantcoaching.com, down at the bottom, you'll see a link to a three stages of recovery checklist. And one of the things that I've really started to understand and develop kind of as a philosophy of healing over these past, I guess it's 11 years now, is looking at the stages that we go through in a process of healing. And that can be a process of healing from pretty much anything. And that first stage is always that victim stage where we're either actually in the space of being victimized, being abused, or in the hurt of something, um, or we're in denial about the thing, right? I don't want to look at this. It's not that big of a deal. Maybe I'll be fine even if I don't ever, you know, talk about this and let's just move on. Let's just move on. Eventually people hit a place where that's not working. And so the next thing that they move into is the survivor stage and and the bridge that moves us from that victim to survivor stage is acknowledgement saying, okay, this was the experience. This happened. I'm going to face it. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to try to figure it out. And so in that survivor stage, we start that process of acknowledging and talking about an experience, understanding the impact of that experience, what's hard or difficult in our lives because of that experience. And then eventually, hopefully, we don't get stuck there. And that's, that's one of the things that I think really started to happen for me and one of the reasons why I began asking some different questions because I felt like I was, you know, in therapy, but I was being given this message that, well, this is just a life sentence. You're going to have to deal with this for the rest of your life. You'll find some cute ways to cope with it. But uh, just, you know, just know that that's going to be the case. And I thought, man, that is no. a shitty answer. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? And uh, so... That's what really led me into this place of thinking about what might be next. And I call that beyond surviving. People call it different things, thriving, you know, whatever. But the idea of beyond surviving is that you're moving into the work that is asking some different questions. What do I do about this? How do I resolve this? How do I move forward into my life? How do I integrate this experience so it stops being a central focus or a way that I define myself and instead just becomes a part of the tapestry of my life experiences? And so in that checklist, I talk a little bit more about those stages of recovery and what the goals are and the kind of support that you need at each of those stages. Because I think a lot of survivors of abuse get re-traumatized because the person, either the support they're seeking out or the person who's providing support doesn't understand how to meet them where they're at and so tries to take them into something that they're not actually ready for, which causes more shame mm-hmm. and frustration and and all of that. So that's a great little checklist, but you can get all sorts of things on the website. There are master there are. There's a link to my podcast. There's a link to a great Facebook group um, that's over 4,500 people now and growing and just a really great safe space to, to talk about what's going on for you and get support. So definitely come check it out and connect
1: with me there. That sounds great. I am on your website and looking at all of the things that you give away for free. You're so generous. You're like, here's this complimentary session and here are all these module outlines so you can see what will happen and videos to watch. And oh, gosh, you're so helpful. Thank you. Yeah, I think, well, first of all, I grew up in Oklahoma, so I have a
0: little bit of, you know, small town. (laughs) I think that's a little bit of my grounding is just um, we're we're in this together, and so I think it's just a partly a values thing and how I was raised thing, and so one of the things that was always super important to me when building you know this business was how do I meet people where they're at because I'm very aware that one of the consequences of abuse and trauma is social economic, and many people have a hard time working. Um, have a hard time, you know, sustaining um, employment, and that can be for a lot of different reasons. But often they trace right back to trauma and abuse. And so I, I've done, you know, what I can to have things that are available all the way, you know, from free to donation-based to pay what you can to programs that, you know, require a bit more of an imbe- investment. Um, but just to try to make sure people have access.
1: Wow. So I have two questions for you now. One, what is the stage after Survivor?
0: Beyond Surviving is the way that I think about Beyond Surviving. Yeah. And it's kind of a, a dual purpose term in some ways because, you know, the the work that we do in the beyond surviving stage is all about getting complete about the past. And then when we graduate, we kind of take on this little, you know, I'm not a huge fan of labels, but sometimes they can be helpful. And so, you know, we think of ourselves as beyond survivors. And so I'm living in a state in which um, I'm past the survivor stage, I'm past surviving stage. And instead, I'm really, showing up as my authentic self in my day-to-day, I think it's twofold. I think it's one about getting complete about the past so that you're no longer in this recovery place where you're constantly kind of thinking about and considering and looking at the past and, and working with it. That's one piece. But then the other piece is being you know, really equipped to navigate life in the present having those life skills that we just need to live as successful human beings, empowered human beings, loving, open, generous, kind human beings. And so we miss a lot of those life skills when we're going through abuse and trauma. We just don't have the capacity to even learn those lessons, like things like how do we even trust? What does that even mean? What does it mean to trust? Person? <laughs> how do I, how do I decide who's trustworthy? Right. What, what are you talking about setting boundaries? I don't know anything about how to do that. Right. It's always been taking care of everybody else. So I don't know how to set boundaries. So it's, you know, I, I always think of the program as one part healing recovery from the past, but one part getting you ready for the future and really equipping you and giving you the tools that you need um, to to thrive
1: and move forward. That's wonderful. It's at, and it, Um, makes me think that the that leveling up is graduate, right? That the person has graduated from this um, surviving experience. Yeah. Wow. Cool. Okay. So my second question for you is, how was it growing up in Oklahoma? And then how from that, what I I have seen as a more conservative community uh, allowed for you to become so sex positive?
0: Oh, right. Well, San Francisco goes a long way. <laughs> <to> <laughs> that. So that's a really beautiful question. Thank you, Lindsay. So, yes, growing up Oklahoma, I grew up in the kind of the northeast corner um, of the, of the um, state, and I really loved my country upbringing. I thought, man, this is great. I get to run around and play in the creek and run around my backyard. I got an acre out the back that I can go and tramp around in. I liked it kind of the slow pace of things. Sometimes it went a little crazy. Like we really had like the Walmart parking lot, the skating rink, or the bowling alley. That was like where we got to hang out as teenagers. <laughs> so oh. limited options, right? And certainly by the time I was thinking about college, I was the first in my family to go to college. And um, it was not a very considered choice. Essentially, my sister, who's nine years older than me, had already moved to St. Louis. And so I just thought, well, I'll just move there because she's already there, she's already out of Oklahoma, and at least I'll know one person, and oh, there's a school that that's right down the street from her, great, I'll go to that college, like that's how much thought went into my initial, but I did have this really strong feeling of, I got to get out of Oklahoma, like it's been great, and now it's time to go to the big city, if you will, and so I bounced around um, the Midwest for a little bit, um, and then along the way, I transferred to the University of Chicago. So that took me to wow. a different kind of city, like still Midwest. It still has some Midwest roots, but very different, right? And so while I was at the University of Chicago, I started to really come into understanding my own sexuality in a deeper way. I began more fully embracing and identifying myself as a bisexual person. And there were just some really good safe spaces and friends that I made who were also um, queer, who just helped me, you know, think about that and embrace that and, and get out of my head about it. Like it's because I was abused and like all of that. And then um, I went back to St. Louis for a little while, but then out to California in 2004. And, um, and man, if you want a place that's going to broaden your horizons, <laughs> and help you think about sex differently and consider all the different ways that we can have sex and be sexual and um, the yumminess of sex and sex positive, as you say, uh, San Francisco is definitely a place to do that. And so I've just had so many opportunities to to experience things that I certainly would not experience um in Oklahoma. And you know, as far as like where it come like where my mindset is, you know, honestly, I think in some ways when you experience trauma and abuse, there is one if we want to talk about some interesting outcomes that can ultimately be superpowers if we use them in a in a mm-hmm. good way. I think that one superpower that many survivors of abuse and trauma have is kind of an an openness. Um, a willingness to see past certain things because we ourselves have been so used to feeling judged or different or limited. Um, this isn't of course a hundred percent, there are exceptions to every rule, but I do find that quite often that um, I find this openness and um, curiosity that survivors have that can, you know, give them that pathway towards, you know, experiencing things that given your roots, you might seemingly not be so open to or willing to explore.
1: Yeah. That's a great way of looking at it. I agree with you about San Francisco. That's where I did my doctorate. And I often refer to it as Oz for me because I was coming from small town Ohio um, and small town Montana. And so it was like, Dorothy totally found the Emerald City and... um I recount this – I think I recount this in a Sex Explanations episode where my fir- very first day of class, we were encouraged to use the city as our campus and went to um, the Center for Sex Positive Culture. And there was a, an, like a, an opening night for this gallery show of Michael Rosen's work, uh, all these black and white portraits of people that were doing things like masturbating with dildos and – chained to each other as subs and doms and i just right like that moment where you can see color for the first time and there was a a live fisting and there was blood play and all all of these things in this very first day of school and uh, yeah i'm not in kansas anymore that was the experience it was so great yeah absolutely uh, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, when you can
0: find those spaces where you feel really seen. And now, what I love about my life now is I'm in San Francisco, so I, I'm surrounded by all of this, you know, opportunity to experience and have um, my thoughts expanded, have my experiences expanded, but I found the little nook in the city that's almost like a small town. And so, where I actually live is, it feels very much like Oklahoma, actually. <laughs> like, I know my neighbors. Wow. It has this nice, slow feel to it. It's a little bit on, um, so it's like the best of the both, both worlds um, where I've landed these days. So that's really, um, that's really a blessing and awesome to have that. Wow. Ah, that sounds so marvelous. <laughs> it is. And it's even more marvelous when I really think back to my twenties and that time in my life when I was really so sure that my life was never going to be any good. You know, I would wake up every day just full of dread, like really sad that I woke up like, all right, well, I guess I'm going to have to get through another day. All right, here we go. And I just felt miserable about myself. I didn't see any real potential for what my future could be and, and that life could be something that I enjoyed and looked forward to. So... When I really set these two Rachels, if you will, <laughs> you know, up against each other, it feels like, wow, okay, I didn't really know that this was fully possible and could be here, and, but it is. And I, I think that's another reason why I do the work that I do and am kind of so passionate about it because I remember what that feels like to be in that place where everything is hurting and to have a hard time finding that hope. And so not that my life is perfect, and I'm perfect, and I never, you know, have a bad day, but by and large, things, you know, are really good. And so, you know, I hope to, you know, use my life and use the things that have changed as a point of encouragement for others. There's nothing special, honestly, there's really nothing special about me, (laughs) in the sense of like, the reason why my life improved, the reason why I healed, the reason why I was able to move forward, all that's different is that I found some tools and I applied some things and I, I really put in a little bit of time and effort and commitment to that, but anybody can do that. Anybody can do that. So that's really good. The good news is that this is accessible um, for
1: everyone. Mm, that's a really nice message. I remember Hank Green who produces explanations, and, um, just is this genius, as far as I'm concerned, just great at, um, he has a YouTube channel called Vlogbrothers and Sideshow and Crash Course. And he, he used to run VidCon. He started it. He, uh, he's a writer and a musician, a rock star. He's just a great person. And I remember him talking about how the his place in the world is not because he is a genius. This might be believing that it's because of luck and and um, just kind of coincidence that he was able to come across these resources, that he was placed into um, situations where there were tools and then had the ability to use those tools. And so I think that my mission, at least, is to help people level up to get to the to a place where they have access to the tools and then help them use the tools and then help them help other people use the tools so that we're if we all have this kind of hydraulic lift and we're moving together, then the world as a whole improves rather than individuals kind of skyrocketing above and past each other. So I appreciate that you're doing that similarly and you have the same mindset that this this is something for everyone I do think that you're special, and it's cool that you don't think that you're superior to anyone in in the way that you deserve these things, but others don't. So good on you, Rachel. Right on. Thanks, Lindsay. (laughs) That's a cool way of naming that. Thank you. Yeah. So I'm wondering... Because I haven't done your program and I'm not super familiar with it. For people who have experienced things like spontaneous abortions, so miscarriages, or people who have um, had children and and raised them and it just changes their sexual desire, their family dynamics. Um, I'm trying to think of other things that come up with clients, just the aging process or the long distance, like opening up relationships or experiencing hardships with work and things like that. Can those qualify as experiences that can be healed by your program? So there's kind of a yes and no to that answer.
0: I think that, you know, <laughs> <laughs> let me caveat here. So what I found that's been interesting, you know, when I started this work, of course, my primary focus is for survivors of childhood sexual abuse. And then I started getting calls from people who hadn't experienced childhood sexual abuse but had experienced some sort of sexual assault in their adulthood. And so I said, all right, well, let's just see. Let's try the program. If it doesn't work, you know, we'll refund your money, and then that'll be that. Um, and mm-hmm. so started working with folks who had experienced trauma in adulthood. And so, okay, yeah, that actually, it, it maybe it with just like a few little minor tweaks, totally applied and, and every piece of the program landed in some way and was helpful. And then I started getting calls from people who had experienced only physical abuse. Okay, well, let's figure, let's try that out. <laughs> so, um, and yes, and then I, I started getting calls from people who had grown up with like a narcissistic uh, parent. And so that's like in the world mm-hmm. of verbal, emotional abuse. Okay, well, let, let's try it. And over and over and over again, I've seen these tools cross those types of thresholds. So the main idea is if you have an experience in your life that has somehow left you feeling incomplete or in some way has been traumatizing, that trauma is trauma is trauma. And so with some adaptations, by and large, the the lessons and skills in the Beyond Surviving program will translate to help you identify the experience, the impact of that experience, the belief systems, and then to help you rebuild from that. And so I think More broadly, when we talk about just dynamics of relationships and exploring sexuality. You know, that is an element. I mean, definitely relationships is a huge piece of the program. So if there's struggles around, you know, trust or vulnerability or fears of abandonment, whatever the source of those are is almost not the point. It doesn't really matter. It's more a matter of just addressing those particular places where you're feeling stuck and blocked. So we can do that kind of work. And then we do work around sexuality. I would say in the Beyond Surviving program, we focus really primarily on Sorting out the difference between sex as obligation versus sex as choice, uh, because to my mm-hmm. mind, that's that's really the kind of key underpinning. Like that's the big big thought shift that we want to see happen. And then from that, lots of other little things can start to happen, right. Other work can do and and be done. And so um, I've seen clients of mine go from, you know, a completely sexless marriage to having getting it on, having a good time. <laughs> I've seen uh, women who are like, I've never touched my body ever. Right. Um, really learn how to masturbate mm. and self-pleasure and, even just like reclaiming pleasure, like I'll have sex, but I don't enjoy it. I just do it because I'm supposed to. Um, And we, you know, get rid of that real quick and replace it with what about your desires? What about your pleasures? And, um, and then I often see my clients go on and continue their work with someone like you or or someone in my, my um, network who will help them dive even more deeply in this area of um, sexual um, relationship and sexual healing.
1: So Rachel, are you taking clients?
0: All the time, every day, all day. <laughs> so
1: okay,
0: um, yeah. So you have, have availability of somebody. I am starting to get a little bit full in my schedule, but the nice thing about the program is that it's an it's an eight month program if you work with me one on one, and it's a four month program if you do the group program, and then I also have a foundations course that's twenty eight days, but because there's a set curriculum and a timeline. Um, you know, people work through the program and then they're they're done, um, with that program. And some people continue working with me as graduates. Um, but most people they're like, okay, that feels really good and complete. And I'm going to continue to grow and transform as a human being, right? We never stop learning, but dealing with the trauma that feels finished for me. And so because of that, you know, my schedule, I'm not working with people for years and years and years and years, right? We're really getting in, doing that work, and then continuing on with other whatever resources you might need past that. So I get, sometimes I get a little full and then there's some spaciousness, but long story short, yes, give me a call, reach out. One of the, if you're really curious about enrolling in the Beyond Surviving program, the best thing to do is on the website, fill out that application for a Discover Your Genuine Self session, because that is going to help me really understand where you're at, what your needs are, um, if you're ready. And then um, if so, then we can schedule that consultation. If not, then I have a second path that I take people on um, to make sure that they get resources and
1: support that meet them where they're at. That's really great. I'm (laughs) I'm thinking that at this point, it's so nice to have someone on the show who can tell me about these resources that are available to clients because I am very rarely seeing clients right now. And it's always nice to have other options for them. So when I get an email that talks about a lot of stress that this person is going through, I don't have to say, well, (laughs) good luck with that. Instead, I can say Rachel Grant coaching.com. So that's so great. And you know, if this sounds like an infomercial to the audience, um, just know, like, My intent here is it's not to just plug you and and your program. It's really to say, like, this is what it sounds like when two professionals who work in the sex field talk to each other and try and reason out the best ways to get help. To our communities because we see so much shame and suffering and um, victimization, and we, we we actually genuinely care about people getting better. So, oh gosh, it's really cool that we're connected, and um, I would love to do Kegels with you now if
0: awesome. you're willing to do
1: it. <laughs>
0: Sweet. Main squeeze, squeeze it good.
1: So the way I'm thinking we could do this is I am on your website, rachelgrantcoaching.com, and I see that you have seven modules. So I'm thinking that I'll say the name of the module, and then during that we'll like do the clenching motion of our groins, and then I will read the description of that model, and we can do the pushing out um, motion of a kickle. Does that work? I'm with you. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So drawing in for Module 1, pull the energy in your pelvis up for boot camp for the brain, in which Rachel teaches you how to take care of your brain and get off the emotional roller coaster. You'll learn valuable skills that will help you kick PTSD and triggers to the curb as well. Kegel 2, Module 2 put an end to shame. Rachel will show you how to tackle shame, guilt, and any belief that the abuse was your fault. So you will no longer sacrifice your own needs and desires or serve as a doormat for others. These are so beautiful, Rachel. (laughs) I'm like so focused on them. I'm not doing my kegels. All right. Kegel three, draw it in. Module three, build strong connections. Rachel guides you in actively breaking down the walls that keep you from connecting with others, ending feelings of isolation, disconnection, or just not belonging. Module 4, Emotional Health and Wellness. Rachel will then teach you how to release pent-up emotions like anger, anxiety, and fear that have kept you stuck, exhausted, and lacking joy. So beautiful. Module 5, tighten those vaginal and anal Penile muscles. Mm. Confidence booster. I help, so Rachel helps. Rachel helps boost your confidence so that you can pursue the things that you most want in life, whether that's a job, a relationship, or just being comfortable in your own skin. Module six, relationship skills overhaul. Rachel shows you how to set boundaries, trust, and experience intimacy safely so that you can finally have the relationships that you've always wanted. Module seven, last kegel move on with your life i teach rachel rachel teaches you how to bring it all together and connect with your genuine authentic self so you can go out into the world and be yourself oh i feel better already <laughs>
0: That's fabulous. I'm like, that is definitely a first. That's definitely a first. Whenever I teach talk about the modules from now on, I'm probably
1: going to end up doing a little cake along with it. (laughs) That's a great idea. Good. Yes. (laughs) Well, it's so nice just how you've written them. And it feels like you have a great understanding of what the experience of human suffering is like and the the desire to heal and to find one's muchness or self-actualize. And so when you put those in those orders of modules, I really feel heard and understood like, oh yeah, Rachel gets what's not right. (laughs) And Rachel gets all the different ways that it can look to feel better. That it's not like, okay, here's the solution. I'm going to put you into this romantic relationship. You're all better. But it could be, I'm going to situate you so that you're okay and, in solitude or so that you find a job that's meaningful to you, that it's not all about one way that a sex life could look or recovery could look, but it's more of a healing process. I appreciate it. Sure. Yeah. Thank you for sure. So should we give the audience some sex credit? Okay, let's do it.
0: Now you can practice at oh, home. gives you sex credit.
1: Do you have... Uh, some sort of assignment that they could do in the next week? Yeah, let's think
0: about that. So first of all, I mean, very easily, top of mind, of course, is turn it into a song. (laughs) So that could definitely Um, be something um, that you all could practice and focus on. But, you know, for the coming week is when you find yourself in that negative spiral, when that little voice of yours is going at you, just turn around and turn it into a song and sing it out loud. And whatever melody you want to put it to is fabulous. I think that would be just a really wonderful way, um, to
1: continue to build on what we've started here today. That's perfect. I'm just going to leave it at that because that's just the greatest. Awesome.
0: (laughs) Sounds good.
1: Wow. Lindsay,
0: thank you so much for having me on today. It's been super great to connect with you and to share this
1: conversation. Yeah. Oh, thank you for being here. I love hearing that you're out there helping people and I love that you're available for more people to get help. Um, let's uh give a shout out to our patreon supporters donna ben paul and the millers you're all amazing I, everyone really who supports this channel and has been um following rachel or will go and check out her work also i want to thank callie from cinema studios complexi for production and count boogie for the jingles rachel thank you again for being here and cora amparo and i'm still learning